Before she saw it, she smelled it. It was more overpowering than the stuffed burratas she'd made. It was the distinct fragrance of incense. A lot of it. Stefano had stuck a huge poster of Kali on his wall. I love Hindu gods, he said as Roma surveyed the makeshift altar that held the deities of Ganesh and Shiva. How many do you have? A million? There is so less a fair. They leave you to a karma. No interference. Perfect for me. Roma had never thought of her religion that way. She had silently followed the rituals and said her prayers. Perhaps Stefano was right. She wished her parents had taught her more. Stefano had placed a bar stool in front of the easel, but he didn't restrict her to it. He told her to wander around as she pleased, though sometimes he asked her to hold a certain stance or look a certain way. He surprised her one day by playing an old Indian tune, something Rama hadn't heard in a very long time, and she was instantly captivated. Her eyes closed, and unknowingly she began to sway to the music. It was D-Day, the day when Stefano had said he'd finished the painting. He was taking his own sweet time about it. He removed a thin reed out of a box, lit it and puffed on it till the end glowed red. She recognized it as a beady. Good poison. Want some? He asked. She shook her head and tried not to breathe in the fumes. He laughed and puffed rigorously, gazing at the ceiling. His eyes glazed over in the dense smoke. His face looked disembodied, inhuman. Roma shivered. Don't you folks smoke this? Or are you pretending to be a prude? Roma stood up. If not smoking is being a prude, then I'm not pretending. He waved her back down and stubbed the reed out. I was just sorting you out, cataloging you. I think I've figured you out. You have? She sat forward. A frigid virgin, even though you're married. Her mouth dropped open. And you'll remain one till you find... He didn't complete the sentence. Then all that passion will erupt like Vesuvius. Bad news, but I like bad news. Roma got up and stalked toward the door. You've insulted me. I'm leaving. Before you see your painting? I don't think so. He turned the easel around. Roma stared at the woman in the portrait, and her chest started to pound. It was as if she was looking in the mirror, but the image was different. It wasn't her. Suddenly, Stefano grabbed both her arms and pinned her to the wall. He began to kiss her. The abrupt assault incapacitated Roma. Her body felt lifeless, as if she was free-falling into an endless abyss. It took considerable fortitude to wrench her face away. Why are you doing this? Because I'm infatuated with you. 
as are you with me. Don't deny it. No, she tried to push him away, but he was too strong. Of course you are. Don't act naive. Or else, why would you come to a stranger's house, a man you barely know? Why would you bring me all that delicious food? Because your husband doesn't give you what you want, right? No! Roma screamed. She kicked wildly with her legs and managed to connect and took the opportunity to free herself and escape. She ran, held to skelter through the streets, blinded by her tears. She was ashamed and disappointed with herself. She'd been living in a fairy tale. Had she expected someone to come by and sweep her off her feet? Had she left Stefano on? And why hadn't she welcomed his advances? Why did his touch make her flesh crawl? But what he'd said about her had hit close to home. Roma and Anand had got married on a cold day in December. It was a neat little ceremony, a sweet amalgam of both North and South Indian traditions that had sent the attendees into throes of ecstasy. The nuptial night had been spent in the company of friends and family. Her new spouse promptly left after accompanying her to the U.S. Embassy the following day, ensuring she filed her visa application. Roma had settled down for a long wait. Therefore, she was surprised when a few months later the all-clear was given and frantic preparations were made for her to join her husband. No one with more delight than her mother, Sukanya Devi. Anand lived in a small but comfortable one-bedroom apartment in Evanston, a city north of Chicago. He had gone to school there, and was now employed as an associate professor in the Department of Chemical Engineering. Their living situation had initially thrown her into confusion. Then she had chided herself. Anand was no longer her friend. He was her husband, and she his wife. Roma had closed her eyes to receive his first kiss. It had surprised her, when he kissed her with unexpected force and roughness. He'd withdrawn when he sensed her stiffen, then got up and left. There were a few more attempts. Well, not really. Anand had realized that the definitions of their relationship had changed. She was no longer his best friend, with whom he could talk to or even touch innocently. He confronted her one day, a couple of weeks after her arrival. Enough time for jet lag to have dissipated, and for both of them to have reconciled to the newness of their relationship. Okay, tell me, why did you agree to marry me? He asked sincerely. Uma was taken aback. She hadn't expected the question especially after a breakfast of soft, fluffy idlis she'd made for him, the dough she had prepared after much toil the day before using an American food processor. I thought you were fond of me, he went on, 
we were good friends. Or was I mistaken? Not just good friends. Very good friends. Yes, we were good friends, she said. But that isn't the same as being husband and wife or lovers. He had the grace to look uncomfortable. She said she'd accepted his proposal at the behest of her mother. It has been her rant ever since father passed away. You know, she's a simple woman. She had started to worry I'd die a spinster. A spinster at 26, Roma laughed. She didn't tell him that when her father departed, his liver finally succumbing to his alcohol habit, a few years after Mrs. Wee had dispatched Anand off to boarding school, she felt she'd lost her only remaining friend. The trauma went deeper, and Sukanya Devi had to mortgage their home and sell most of her jewelry to clear her father's innumerable debts. Roma was forced to quit college in favor of her beautiful and smart, hence more deserving, younger sibling and pick up odd jobs to support the family. Her mother also made her give up her dance lessons, even when her guru agreed to teach her for free. He'd seen a brilliant future for her. He's lying. You could be a Kali, but never a Shakuntla. Anyway, society would never approve, her mother said. Roma also didn't tell Anand why Sukanya Devi was worried sick. Her eldest daughter would never get married. Her dusky skin and unusual height made her an undesirable match and her mother loved to rub it in. She didn't care that each time she did so, she ran an ice-cold knife into Roma's heart. She'd even mentioned she wouldn't be unhappy if Roma followed in her sister Rashmi's footsteps, who'd run away and eloped with her forty-some-year-old boss. At least he's rich, but with your looks, you'll be lucky to entrap a ruffian of the street. Therefore, when Anand's proposal came, it was as if the Almighty himself had intervened. That was that. Anand's half-baked attempts advancing their relationship ended. He slept on the living room couch. Their conversations were brief, except when absolutely necessary, or when he couldn't help but admire her cooking. You don't have to go to extra lengths to cook for me. He'd remind her more than a few times a week. Each time, Roma responded by saying she liked to cook. It kept her occupied. Roma woke with a start. Are you okay? Anand had cracked the bedroom door open. Yes, I'm fine. I think I fell asleep. I'll be right out. Anand withdrew, closing the door behind him. The room was pitch dark. She realized she'd rushed back home after the afternoon's misadventure and crashed on the bed and cried herself to sleep. Roma looked at her face in the bathroom mirror and splashed it several times with cold water. But the wretched feeling wouldn't go away. 
What did she expect? Anand wasn't to blame. He had never forced himself on her. It was she who had been living in some kind of fantasy. She screamed at herself. Get real, Roma, get real. When she walked out, dinner was already laid out. She felt Anand watching her as they ate. Is something wrong? he asked. Yes, everything is wrong. You, me, us. She shook her head. If you want to go back, you can. I won't hold you back. You are not my prisoner. No, I'm fine here, just fine. Roma was overcome with guilt. He had been thinking about her. He sat back and sighed. I think I'll turn in, have an early class tomorrow. Later, back in the bedroom, she couldn't sleep. She couldn't understand why her spouse felt obligated to care for her. Was it all due to a simple ceremony? The world was such a terrible place, it bound people in artificial relationships that were so difficult to get rid of. Her thoughts competed with the tick-tock of the clock. It was 1 a.m., and she could see the living room light was still on. He hadn't been able to sleep, either. Anand was lying on the carpet on his makeshift bed next to the sofa, the NYT open on his chest. She hadn't realized he slept on the floor, since he was always up before she was. He had fallen asleep without taking his glasses off. Roma removed them gingerly and reached down to smooth back the shock of hair from his forehead, but then held herself back. The following evening, she hung around in the living room at the usual time, impatient for his arrival. He was late, and her nervousness compounded with every minute that passed. Had she angered him by testing his patience beyond that of any regular human being could tolerate? Of course she had, and she had toyed with his feelings, that too without offering any excuses for her behavior. When he returned, a good two hours later, her eyes anxiously probed his face while reheating the food she had prepared with great care. It was a serious face, and not unpleasant at all. The hollow bony plains of boyhood had filled in to form a lean and elegant profile, and his pale skin had gained a healthy tan. Her gawky, bashful childhood friend had grown into a good-looking, responsible man. So, what was he doing with her? Anand looked oblivious to her scrutiny, or he was doing a good job of making it appear so. He praised the food like he hadn't done so before. It meant something was amiss, and that upset her. By the way, I'll be back early tomorrow. A friend of mine has invited us for dinner. Someone from back home? Roma asked. No, someone I knew in college. Anand didn't say more. Roma chose a silk sari in cobalt blue and gold, 
It was a special occasion. Before today, she hadn't met any of Anand's friends or acquaintances. It was important to make a good impression. If they were Indians, they were sure to report back home. She added a simple gold necklace and chumkas to complete the look. The friend lived almost two hours away, in a small town across the border in Wisconsin. Anna looked preoccupied and unwilling to share any further information. The scenery whizzed by, lush green forests and vast tracts of farmland. Roma wondered who she was actually trying to impress. They stopped before a neat little house with a lovely yard full of shade trees and flowers in bloom. The door was opened by a young oriental man holding a crying baby in his arms. He introduced himself as Kevin, Rosalie's husband. Roma was baffled. Anand's friend was a woman? Kevin invited them inside to sit in the spacious living room and hurried away saying he needed to change the baby. Nice house, isn't it? Anand said. Roma didn't reply. She was busy twisting the end of her sari around her fingers. Rosalie breezed in, all smiles. She first rushed to Anand and hugged him, then came up to Roma and shook her hand. At last! I've been wanting to meet you for so long, Rosalie said. She was all Roma had expected and more. Beautiful, pristinely clothed, articulate, and a devoted wife. She taught English at the local community college. I was never as smart as Anand to be hired by the uni. Kevin had a secure job with the city, so I compromised. Kevin returned minus the baby. Shall we eat? I'm starved. Roma pushed the food around her plate. It was delicious, but she had no appetite. The conversation flowed around the table, warm and cozy, like the red wine Rosalie was serving. Roma didn't contribute much, choosing to remain silent for the most part. Instead, she observed her husband. He was a revelation, laughing, talking in sentences longer than a few words, even making jokes. He reminded her of her old friend, who she believed had disappeared a long time ago. After dinner, Kevin dragged on into the basement to show off his one-of-a-kind game room. Rosalie was going to check on the baby. You're welcome to join me, unless you prefer to hang out with the boys. She smiled at Roma. They sat side by side on the futon in the nursery while the baby slept in her crib. Rosalie was a native of California, born and raised one of eight children. Her parents were immigrants from China, we are very close. My parents and siblings all live within miles of each other. I really miss them. She sighed and abruptly looked at Roma. What am I saying? You must be really homesick. I am, even though I'm just a few hours away. Roma nodded, wondering if her host would be shocked if she said she hardly missed home at all. Rosalie went on without missing a beat. She talked about how tough it used to be for immigrants and how things were changing. She talked about her upbringing, how stern and old-fashioned her parents were. 
So I believe all Asian parents are. Don't you agree? She talked about college. Roma pricked her ears. Anand is so smart. He's probably the smartest guy I've met. And such a charmer. He'd hardly open his mouth in college, but when he did, he'd knock us all for a loop. She blushed. You know, I was so taken by him that I went ahead and proposed to him one day. She laughed. That man broke my heart. He was so rude. He promptly refused, saying there was someone back home. She smiled at Roma. Now I see why he said so. It was late when they started back home. The blazing, marmalade sky was quickly turning to dusk. Anand heeded Kevin's advice and took the country road to bypass the crowded highway. After a few miles, the city lights disappeared and they were surrounded by a vast, unbroken emptiness. Anand turned on the radio and began to scan through the channels before finally settling on smooth jazz. Roma reached forward to turn up the volume so the music could help displace the noise in her head. She must have drifted off, for when she opened her eyes, the car had come to a standstill. She couldn't see anything before they were enclosed by a thick wall of grey. Suddenly, there was a huge roar, and she let out a shriek as big chunks of ice began pelting the front windshield. Anand reached over and drew her tight to his chest. It's all right, Roma, just a hailstorm. Roma relaxed in his warmth and slowly breathed in his scent. It was raw, earthy, and utterly magnetic. The storm passed, but the impact of Anand's embrace stayed with Roma. They made it to the apartment in record time. I'm going for a walk. Don't wait up for me, Anand stalked out, banging the door shut behind him. She wanted to run after him and say she was sorry. Instead, she leaned against the window and looked onto the street. She had been wrong. It wasn't pity that had prompted Anand to take her as his wife. She hadn't forced himself into a relationship just to fulfill an imagined duty to rescue a friend from a life of loneliness and hardship. She caught her reflection in the glass. Stefano's portrait was coming to life. Anna returned some time after midnight. She could hear him tossing and turning until the wee hours of the morning. Then he began to pace up and down the hallway, and Yanni locked her over when she stepped out of the bedroom after her shower. He looked haggard, and she was overcome with remorse. She wanted to hug him, but restrained herself. What do you want for breakfast? she asked, trying too hard to sound matter-of-fact. Hmm? I said breakfast. Oh, anything. Okay, then, I'll make dosa. She tucked her sari around her waist and opened the refrigerator. I made the mango chutney yesterday, the kind that you like so much. Mrs. Shah had some really nice raw mangoes in the store. Roma, we need to talk. 
What did you say? We need to talk. It's something important. She turned around. He had his hands planted on the counter, and his face looked grim. Can't we talk later? she asked. After breakfast? No, we need to talk now. Come, sit down. He took her arm and gently led her to the couch. She began to tremble. What did he want to talk about? Divorce? Sending her back to India? No, that can't be. She looked around for some kind of distraction. A colorful pamphlet on the coffee table caught her eye. It had come along with yesterday's mail. Anand had yet to sort it. She snatched it up. Roma, we... Anand, look, there's a carnival in town. Have you been to one here? Are they like what we used to have back home? She asked, eating her his eyes. I don't know. It sounds like so much fun. I really want to go. Will you take me? Today? He looked perplexed. It isn't far. We could walk. No one can ever be unhappy at a carnival. The sights and sounds, hustle and bustle, children running around, their laughter and carefree shrieks are enough to brighten any mood and tease a smile from even the most devout pessimist. Roma's companion was a different species altogether. Nothing so far had piqued his interest. He didn't even blink when the knife juggler they'd been watching for the past half hour misjudged a throw and nearly sliced his arm in half. She was sure he was thinking about the interrupted conversation from that morning. It was only a matter of time before he brought it up again, and she wouldn't be able to avert it. A loud cheer erupted, signaling an end to the act. Anand tipped the man, and they started to walk again. Roma spotted some people eating cotton candy and wondered aloud if she should try some. Sure, he said. Why don't you? It took her a while to decide on the flavor. There were so many choices. The look on her face as the candy melted in her mouth forced a smile out of Anand. It's not like what we have back home, she said. Try some. It isn't. She took another bite of the sugar cloud. No. Don't you remember Venkat Mama? Used to come by with his cart every winter. Rashmi and I would beg Dad to buy us some every weekend. That stopped after he passed away, but the memory of the flavor still remains with me. Anand shrugged. Mom never let me have it. She said I would get sick. Now, don't look at me like that. I was just a kid, and Mom, you know, how very overbearing she can get. Wilma broke a large chunk of pink-colored floss and offered it to him. Try it. You're not a kid anymore, nor is your mom here. It wasn't clear if the sponge sugar treat had gained a new fan, but Anand was a lot more upbeat afterwards. There was a new spring in his step, and he was smiling, actually smiling. Now they were walking side by side, 
close enough that the arms brushed. Wilma's heart started to beat faster. Anand pointed to a stand where several people were in line, trying to guess the weight of a giant pumpkin. He looked at her. Why don't you give it a shot? She did, and was only off by a few pounds. Anand tried his luck at the shooting gallery. He missed quite a few balloons, but did well with the ring toss. He won a goldfish that he presented to Roma. She turned and offered it to a little girl who had been watching him with the big blue eyes. She snapped it up with a loud squeal of joy. They rode the giant Ferris wheel. Roma clung to his arm when they swayed on top, waiting for the passengers to unload. He laughed when she asked if they could go again. This time, he wrapped his arm around her waist and pointed out the landmarks in the glittering skyline. The rides had closed for the day, and the merchants were packing up. Looks like it's time to go home, Anand said. There was a quiet intensity in his eyes that made Roma shiver. They hurried by some stragglers, creating a ruckus in the unpaved parking lot with the headlights on. The wind blew through the empty streets, kicking up a cloud of dust. Roma heard the sound of distant thunder. She drew her sari over her head and giggled as they ran to the bus stop. But the un unsubstantial shelter offered little escape from the light shower that quickly turned into a steady drizzle. As the rain gathered strength, the street rapidly transformed into a shallow river. I'd better call a taxi, Anand said, and reached for his phone. What are you doing? You'll get sick, he blurted out as Roma stepped out and stretched out her arms and turned her face to the sky. Not I. You will, Mama's boy, she laughed. He grinned and joined her. What say we race back home for old time's sake? She accepted his challenge. But it wasn't easy going, even when she hitched her sari up, up about her knees. The water was coming down in sheets. Anand was often at her side to give her her hand, and sometimes to lug her across suspicious bodies of water. An eerie silence greeted them back at the apartment. The clamor of the rain receding into the background, splattering the walls like tiny missiles, drum rolls that revved up into a crescendo, then grew muffled before finally settling into a steady rhythm, the rhythm of Roma's heart. The carpet was ruined, but Roma didn't want to think about it. She stood in the hallway waiting as Anand closed and locked the door. She felt him behind her, close, and it made her dizzy. The tension in her bosom eased slightly as a knot in one of the strings of her blouse came undone. Roma, his voice was soft, hopeful. With an exasperated gasp, she swung around and flung her arms around his neck. We should get rid of these clothes before both of us catch the death of cold. Don't you agree? Absolutely, he said, 
his smile, banishing all her doubts and misgivings.